This is Further, a weekly show for the people of Harmony Bible Church, where we seek to revisit and expand on Sunday sermons with the goal of growing deeper in biblical truth that transforms our lives. Welcome back to Further. My name is Brenton Grimm, and today I'm here with Chris Carr, and we have another new guest, Leanne Allen. Hey, Leanne. Hey. Um, Leanne is is currently the assistant director of the Danville campus, but for about seven years, she was the director of children's ministry here at Harmony. Uh, She's had such a a large impact on our kids here, and and not only our kids, but our families as well. So really appreciate you coming on today to to talk about um, legacy and kind of what you've learned over the years. I do want to start, um, Chris, with uh, something from Sunday. So um, you talked about spiritual habits, and um, you brought up some specific ones on Sunday. What would you say to someone that would call these things legalism, especially with something like Bible study that isn't explicitly commanded in Scripture? Well, I think you can certainly go about spiritual habits in a legalistic way, um, but they in and and of themselves are are not legalism. Um, They are all good things, but uh, once again, it, it all ma- comes down to what's going on in our heart. So if we pursue them in, in order to um, gain merit with God, we're thinking that because we study the Bible, because we pray, because we um, go to church gatherings, on and on fast, um, any of the number of ones that we can mention, and that those things are actually either uh, in and of themselves uh, saving us or making us godly by just simply the doing of them, then that that is legalism for sure. And there are definitely uh, people who do it, um, pursue it in, in that way, think about it in that way. Um, I could say that even uh, for my own sake, um, that has been a challenge for me um, uh, in the past and, and probably even still is to, to some degree, just thinking that I got to do this because this is the thing that, that makes me spiritual. And if I don't, I'm uh, do this, my Bible study this morning, God's displeased with me or something like that. Um, but um, if we have a heart that says I'm I'm doing these things, I'm pursuing these things because I love God and because I want to please the Him, and that these are the things that the Holy Spirit uses to produce godliness in me, that's not legalism at, at all. Um, and so uh, I would say, you know, the Bible never necessarily comes out and says you need to do a Bible study every morning, but. But the Bible does say sure. you know, over and over yeah. again about um, how we should love the, the Word and and give ourselves to the Word. And uh, we could, again, mention prayer, fasting, a whole host of other things. But again, it, it's, the, uh, uh, it's the end that we are after. Um, and really, I, I put it this way. Are we after God or are we after simply, you know, checking a box because that makes us uh, – feel good about ourselves and makes us think that now um, I've arrived, I've made it, God's God's pleased with me. I think especially when you're talking about the kind of checking boxes, I think that's a good recipe for not um, sticking with something as well, where we, we do it for a while just because we feel like we need to. And it, it's not... Um, it's not necessarily going to become a habit of ours if it's just something we feel like we need to cross off. Mm-hmm. So, having having the right um, the right motive and knowing that this is how we become more godly and how we get closer to God, I think, is a much more motivation for us. Yeah, I mean, it's it is tricky though because there there is uh, some truth to it that at times you just need to make yourself do it. Sure. Um, and if that's always your, you know, the mode that you're in, where you 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 always have to say, okay, I'm going to do this because I got to do it. Well, that's problematic. But if we never have this, you know, if we never do it when we don't want to do it. There's a lot of a lot of times that we won't do it. We probably won't consistently yeah. do it to where it becomes actually a habit. I think any good habit that we um, have, there's there's times, especially at the beginning, where we have to say, "I'm going to get up and do this." Yeah. Um, and again, if that's always what it is, and it's just like checking off the box, and mm-hmm. I've got to force myself to do it, then then that's a that's problematic. And, and this is where, why the gospel is so important is because we've got to go to the gospel um, over and over again because that's what gives us the heart to, to want to do it for the right reason. Yeah, it's good. 
It's good thoughts. Um, Leanne, so you have quite the family legacy. I remember uh, getting invited to one of your family reunions one time, and I, it was unbelievable how many people were there. And How did you get an invite to that? Uh, like, I can't say. <laughs> <laughs> I think there was a connection with the Nate and Hannah shock. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So I, I've uh, yeah I've heard about these things for a long time. I've never oh, got you've that. Oh, you've never invite. been there. Interesting. No. Hmm. No. You can come to church on Sunday morning. I know. Well, I, I hear they take you know like lots and lots of people from our church on on the Sunday morning <laughs> that they have this that might thing. Be true. So. <laughs> yeah. so just looking at the at the amount of people there and the um, just the focus on on living a godly life in your family. Can you talk a little bit about how your family influenced you through through your childhood and, and after into adulthood? Yeah, for sure. Um, well, God put me in a home with believing parents, and um, I'm I believe that I'm at least a fourth generation Christian. So lots wow. of um, aunts and uncles and great aunts and uncles and grandparents that um, followed the Lord, lived for the Lord. Um, but my parents were actually pretty young Christians, um, and yet um, I have uh, – it'd be my great aunt and great uncle that really um, took my parents under their wings when they were dating and um, early on in their marriage and just really poured into them and um, just spent a lot of time with them, discipled them. And so um, even though my parents were young believers, they um, I would say they did a lot of things um, right as parents. Um, they were attending this church at that time, so they, of course, were getting a lot of um, great teaching there um, as well. And in my eyes, they, they really were the same people throughout the week mm. as they were on Sundays. So there was no um, inconsistency there. Um, as far as I was concerned, um, they were um, a great example of faithfulness to me. Um, they both taught um, Sunday school here at Harmony for many, many years, um, year-round, uh, week in and week out. And um, so they were always studying their lessons during the week. Their Bibles were open, um, and they really are just an example of faithfulness to me. And God definitely used them to bring me to faith and grow me in my faith. But I would also say um, that he used all of these extended family members um, that I just mentioned. Um, they would um, play a part really in, um, in my faith individually in some cases, but um, in a collective sense as well. Um, I'm mostly talking about the the relatives on my dad's side of the family um, through his mom. She was one of eight children. And of those eight children, um, I think at least five were believers and three of them attended here at Harmony. And so um, I had a lot of contact with a lot of extended family members that knew the Lord, went to church with them. Um, I grew up right next door to my grandparents, spent a lot of time with them. And um, the Memorial Day reunion that you referred mm -hmm. to, Brenton. Yeah. Um, Memorial Day is coming up again, and we're looking forward to that. Um, every year on Memorial Day weekend, this side of the family gathers um, for the entire weekend. And this is like a three-day um, feast filled with games and fun and bonfires and hayrack rides and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and it really left a, a big impact on yeah. me as a kid. Um, so not just all of the fun and games, that was definitely part of it, but also, you know, having church together um, in a in a machine shed and when it rained, the, the noise you could barely hear um, uh, someone talking, but um, having church together, singing hymns together, hearing testimonies, hearing aunts and uncles talk about um, the Lord, um, just very impactful, joining hands at the end of the weekend um, before the final meal and singing the doxology. Um, you know, three days a year doesn't sound like a whole lot, but when you string all of those days together um, and all of those um, godly impressions that were stamped on my heart through that period of time, through those um, weekends, um, it really was a lot. So God definitely used my my parents my extended family. Um, and I would say he also for sure used this church to establish my faith. I was literally born into this church family. 
Um, and there are so many individuals that have poured into me over the years. But the thing that I think is neat is they, yes, they taught me God's word. Obviously, that is important. But um, they also served as examples to me, really, of what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus and what it looks like to walk with him and serve him faithfully. And not just for a short time, but really um, over a lifetime. And I think that's um, something I really appreciate about attending the same church all my life, essentially. Um, I get to see the same people um, still serving and still walking with the Lord um, for decades. And that has been a huge encouragement um, to me, too. Um, I think uh, just to to boil down um, the legacy that I've received, I think it really just comes down to um, a lot of people in my life that were really faithful. They weren't spiritual superheroes. They were just faithful. Um, I think about my mom teaching my kindergarten class, and um, I can still picture that little corner of room 100 um, down in the basement. And, you know, she didn't know at that time that um, – a future pastor of Harmony was in her kindergarten class. She didn't know okay. that a future director of children's ministries was in her class, um, but she was faithful, even though um, she didn't know um, what impact she might have. Um, but I'm thankful for that. And that's an example to me. Um, and um, that was true of so many people at Harmony, I would say, over the years, too. That's really good. Yeah, I, one thing that sticks out to me is there's a lot there but um i think what comes to my mind first when we think of family legacy is the nuclear family right mm -hmm. so the people that we live with and and are most connected to in in most situations but to think about extended family and aunts and uncles and nephews and nieces and like yeah. just being intentional with with even our extended family um and knowing the impact that we can have um on those on those people is is a big thing and i think at least in my mind, probably gets overlooked a lot. Absolutely. Who's who's the driving factor behind the whole family gathering there? Who? Oh boy. Well, it it sort of evolves. We kind of have a group of ladies that okay. um, organize it, shop for it, plan. Um, yeah. Okay. Is there like a, a patriarch or matriarch or? Okay. Well, that... um, there's only one of the original um, seven siblings okay. that's still living, the youngest one, my uncle Randall, and mm -hmm. he was um, instrumental in both of my parents coming to know the Lord. He's um, just led dozens of people to the Lord and um, has been a big part of me um, understanding how the Bible fits together and mm -hmm. the big story of the Bible. Yeah. So I think um, as you're you're talking about that, you think about you know spiritual habits, which is we're going to talk more about here in just a little bit. But that's that's kind of a spiritual habit that somebody in your family or somebody's said that we're going to do this, and mm -hmm. it's not just a family gathering, right? I mean, it's it's literally there's spiritual purpose in it, yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And um, always have church, and then there's the spontaneous stuff that happens too. You know, I'm yeah. um, just the the music and the sharing and the one-on-one -on -one conversations mm -hmm. that happen. And um, it's just a lot of good, clean fun and a lot of spiritual encouragement. And yeah. Well, so I, I just want to emphasize that, that, that most of us have family gatherings, I, I would guess, um, for, for holidays sure. or some of the holidays. But th there's another level to it here when there's some sort of intentionality or purpose is that we're, we're actually going to – I look to the Lord in this and try to focus on on Him. It's a whole whole different ball game there. So, yeah, yeah. it's good, Leanne. In in your experience as children's director, how important is the role of the parent in the life of kids? Like, what's the effect of of parents counting on the church to disciple their kids instead of them actually taking the responsibility to to do it? Yeah. Well, hopefully most of us recognize at this point that the parent's role is absolutely vital to um, the development of a child's faith. Um, that's not to say that a child from an un unbelieving home can't come to faith. Of course, we know that's possible, but um, I think what I'm saying is that 
Um, it actually can be detrimental, I believe, to a child's faith if they go to church and they're taught from God's Word, but they don't actually see any of that lived out in the home. Um, when I was young, I think my parents did do a good job of providing a biblical worldview for my sister and I. Um, in other words, you know, church and God wasn't just one segment of our lives. It was um, at the very center, and everything else revolved around that. So um, as Chris said on Sunday, church wasn't just a hobby. Um, it wasn't my parents just going through the motions. Um, like I said, they really were the same people during the week as they were on Sunday. There was there was consistency there. Um, and I already talked about the example that they provided for me. Um, but for all those reasons and more, um, if I knew only one thing, it was that this stuff mattered to my parents, and therefore it it mattered to me. Mm. Um, on the other hand, I think um, if we're never asking our kids um, what they learned in Sunday school or talking about that, talking about spiritual things and the everyday moments of life, if our Bibles are rarely opened at home, if Jesus isn't central um, to what goes on in our homes, um, I just think our children may conclude that this stuff isn't really all that important to mom and dad. And so why should it matter to me? So, um, yeah, I would just encourage parents. Um, maybe some are listening and um, they are recognizing the importance of discipling their kids, but they feel overwhelmed um, and they don't know where to begin. I would say, um, for one thing, please reach out to someone on our family ministry staff or a pastor or myself. There are definitely um, resources and things that we can offer and people that can come alongside and help and encourage. But um, I also just want to say, you know, there isn't a certain formula that we have to follow. There aren't certain resources that we have to use, aside from God's Word, of course. Um, and we don't have to have all of the answers, um, but I think we just need to center our lives on Jesus and be faithful and connect with other believers and let our kids see that we love the Lord because ultimately, um, you know, they tend to love what we love. So I know a, a few years ago, Harmony kind of went through a shift with with uh, children's ministry and really wanted to to make it clear that um, the the first priority is the parent um, in in that, and it goes back to a lot of what you're saying. But what did that what did that shift look like, and what was the motivation behind that? Well, I think maybe both of us can speak into this. I, I would just say that uh, one of the big things is we just uh, through discussions and and some things we we were we were reading and and hearing, just kind of realized that the parents have. Um, Maybe a hundred or more hours a week, more than the than the the corporate church gathering does to, yeah. to pour into these kids, and so we have two to three hours um, a, a week at the at the most. Uh, parents have. Um, a lot more than that, depending upon the age of the kids and uh, depending on what's going on in, in, in life. And so uh, along with that is that the the clearly the the responsibility, biblically speaking, is first and foremost, uh, mom and dad yeah. and and not the church. Now, does church have responsibility? Sure. But um, uh, that's in many ways to come alongside of the, the parents to help them in, in discipling uh, their children. In fact, we, we have no commands in this in scripture at all for the church to disciple children any more mm -hmm. than uh, anybody else in the church. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But we do have plenty of them <laughs> commands for the parents to, to do so. And uh, from my standpoint, I, I just kind of come to the realization that sometimes the church is uh, – the parents use the church as a crutch. And they're like, okay, we've got children's ministry um, at one point, uh, Awana. And so we're going to make sure our kids are there. Um, and then – that's that's our responsibility to get them there, right. and so we just kind of had started to, to rethink that, and and Leanne led the way in this, and um, it'd be great to hear what she has to say. But but how do we actually come alongside the parents more, and uh, in, in some ways just even saying, hey, this is your responsibility, and we're going to support you, not the other way around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it just really isn't realistic to think that the church on its own can disciple. 
um, kids. I remember going to a conference several years ago and um, everybody was running around with these t-shirts that had a big fraction on the front of them. And it said um, it was one over 168. Um, and the theme of the conference that year was one in 168, it's not enough. And 168 is the number of hours in a week. And one was the number they were using to represent the amount of time that the church gets hmm. to um, speak into a child's life, um, probably best case scenario, um, on Sunday mornings. And, um, you know, I think about like if, if a child was learning to play a guitar and the parent took them to a lesson once a week for an hour and then took them back home and they never opened up the guitar case, they never picked up the guitar um, during the week they wouldn't be much of a guitar player, right? Um, and, I, and I think that's kind of how it is. Um, we can't expect the church to do in one hour what, um, what the parents um, need to do um, the rest of the week. Um, and yet, I think sometimes we forget that, that that's the case, um, but we can't forget when it's yeah. something as vital as discipling our kids. That's yeah, it's really good thought. Yeah, and I would just add here um, another soapbox thing for me, Brenton. But research shows that by far, and it's not even close, the number one thing that impacts whether or not um, a child is going to walk with the Lord when they become an adult is uh, the father is whether or not the father not only professes faith in Christ but actually makes it a priority. And I, I don't want to minimize here at all uh, the roles that that mom has in that. Mom has a huge role too. Um, but I, and, and I'm literally I'm not making this up. I'm just going by what research show, shows over and over again is if dad decides that he's gonna follow Jesus and um, he's gonna bring his kids along with that, that makes just uh, the, the biggest difference uh, by a long shot and, and anything else. And and ideally, it's mom and dad together sure. doing together. And, and when we do that, um, we give our kids a, a real a huge advantage. And and so certainly bringing them to, to, to church um, Sunday morning, bring them to community group, hopefully that's involved there uh, with our high school and junior high students Wednesday night, you know, and, and uh, all of that. Great, wonderful. We want to do all of that. But the, the parents have to um, take the responsibility and dads in particular and say, uh, this is this is where I'm going to I'm going to lead and where I'm going to go. And if that's the case, it, it actually shows that in, in, in most cases, the children actually will, will come along. So, there, you know, there's the the verse in Proverbs that we all probably learned growing up. Uh, you know, um, bring your child up in, in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, and when they're older, it will not depart from it. Actually, just butcher that. I combined it New Testament and an Old Testament passage, close. but uh, yeah. And but that's it's not a it's it's actually not a guarantee. Some people take that as a sure. guarantee, like that, that that it's not a guarantee. It's like this is the way that it normally happens, um, and this is a principle yeah. here. And and we see that we actually see that playing out is that when parents do prioritize that in in a majority of the time the children will walk with the lord too not not always not foolproof but a lot of the time it is the case yeah yeah and you're kind of talking about the efficacy of of parents in the in the lives of the kids but we you brought it up earlier i mean we have scriptural commandments deuteronomy 6 comes to mind that we should train up our children um and it's the father's role. And so I don't know, I, I kind of feel like Sunday, uh, what we, what we do our children's ministry is, is supplemental uh, at most to, to what we should be doing at home. And so, um, yeah, I think it's a matter of just prioritizing who, who should be in charge and who should be kind of supplementing. Right. And it's not an either or. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it's a both and, um, and cause the, the parents do need, the church and the church needs to be discipling adults and sure. pouring into them and pushing them and providing them resources and our children's ministry and and Leanne was the really the biggest part of that has done a fantastic job over the the last uh, close to a decade really of, of of you know kind of figuring this out how do we come alongside of parents how do we provide resources how do we promote that and we're trying to grow in that 
even still uh, today. And um, we, you know, we got this legacy workshop this this week, and, and we're going to talk about this more and how do we help and all this kind of stuff. And and so it's it's a partnership that we're, we're working together. And but you're right, Brennan, is like the the parents have to just decide like this is this is our responsibility. We're going to own it. And then we're going to lean into the church to help us to, to be able to, to do that. Yeah. Well, and one, one thing, just as a parent of someone that's, that's as ki- of kids that have been in the children's ministry, um, <clears throat> it's such a good jumping off point for, for conversation with the kids too, that they, they come out of Sunday with these stories or, or whatever they're going over that week. It's been, it's been really good to have, solid teaching happening there where it's not just fluff. It's not, um, it, it's not just that the kids are coloring things to keep them busy for an hour. They've really been intentional, especially through the big story that we did. I, I think that that was so, so beneficial for the kids to go through. Yeah. So appreciate that. Um, Chris touched a little on false teaching on Sunday or as our passage put it, irreverent, silly myths. Um, Leanne, how important is it for us to give our kids proper theology at a young age? And and what are the consequences if we don't? Yeah, well, um, maybe before we dig into that, um, we can just define theology. Yeah. Because um, that can be an intimidating um, thing for for parents to think about. I think, and Bre- um, Breton really needs this definition because he's <laughs> yeah. a little. Breton, would you like to go ahead and <laughs> nope, you do define it. This? He's a little questionable on this, but. <laughs> well, I, I mean, to put it simply, theology literally just means the study of God, and I think when we talk about teaching our children theology, we're um, we're really just talking about teaching them what the Bible says about God and about mankind and sin and God's plan of redemption through Jesus. Um, so, you know, clearly theology isn't just for pastors and theologians, um, it's for all of us. And these are the truths that we want to pass on to the next generation. So, if we want our children to understand God's plan of redemption and understand that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, they need theology. If we want them to be discerning and grounded in truth so they don't falter when they're confronted with false teaching or other worldviews, we need to teach them theology. Um, and if we want them to center their lives on the gospel, um, we've we've got to do that. And I know the idea of this sounds um, kind of intimidating, but it really isn't as scary as it sounds. And contrary to what um, people might think, you do not need a seminary degree to do this. Um, when I was young, no one ever just sat me down and said, we're going to have theology class now, you know. Um, it was woven into my life, I would say, in various ways. And I think that's um, that can be a great ap- approach for, for families, too. Um, I would say a good share of my instruction in theology really just came from the scripture that I memorized as a child. I learned a lot of, of verses through the Awana program when I was young, and that was great, but there are other ways to memorize um, Scripture, too. Um, I was thinking about this, um, just wanting to offer a few ideas. There, um, We have Bible verses that the kids are memorizing on Sunday mornings, so parents can always work on those um, verses that the kids are learning. I was even thinking how parents could um, pull verses from the Sunday sermons that they hear. You know, we're going through Romans right now, and it is obviously chock full of great theological verses to memorize. Verses like Romans 3.10, none is righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short. Um, 5.8, God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And and we could go on and on there. Um, But those are amazing verses um, for us to memorize. Um, you could even go online and get the Awana scope and sequence if you wanted to, and that lists a lot of those core verses that are so good to commit to memory. So I think scripture memorization is a is a good place to start. Um, I think another way um, 
that we can feed theology to our kids is just in the music that we listen to. Um, I had a lot of exposure to hymns when I was young, um, and I love hymns because I grew up singing them and playing them on the piano, and um, they are very rich in theology. And the words stay with you, of course, because they're set to music. Um, but it doesn't have to be hymns. Um, there are other songs that um, have a lot of theologically rich content too. And so this is easy. Um, we can play songs in the car and at home and then talk to our kids about what what those things mean and some of the, the big words that, that maybe they hear in there. And then um, the last thing I was just going to mention is um, – uh, in regards to teaching theology to our kids is um, through books. We we often read books um, to our children or with our children, um, and there are so many great resources available today. This is something you're already doing anyway, so um, maybe work in some books that introduce some theological themes. Um, and with this one in particular, I would really encourage you to um, talk to our Harmony Kids staff. We have a lot of really great books. And I know um, those are there for you to thumb through, even borrow. Um, and so that's another great way to teach um, our kids theology. Um, for me, I think the bottom line is just to um, infuse it into everyday life and the things that you're already doing. Um, not that it couldn't be more structured, but I think that a lot of that we can just do um, that way. And um, it is sure, to spark a lot of meaningful discussions with your kids too. Um, they're going to have questions, and you may not always know the answer, but um, hopefully that doesn't, you, you don't let that scare you. Um, we don't have to have all the answers as parents. Um, we just need to be willing, I think, to learn new things, even alongside of our kids, and find the answers um, together sometimes. So again, um, I think using the the Harmony Kids staff and family ministry staff as a resource in, in teaching theology to our kids too. Yeah, I love that. That's a lot of really good practical um, information of how we can approach this. So that's great. Um, one thing that we did not, not too long ago was the big story, and I brought that up a couple minutes mm -hmm. ago, but what Five years ago now. Is it really five <laughs> it was years 2018. ago? 2018. I should have looked that up. <laughs> um, but really, I mean, the, the point of it was to show that Jesus is is throughout the whole through whole throughout mm -hmm. the whole Bible. Um, that everything ultimately comes back to Him. What was that like with teaching teaching the kids that, and mm. and what kind of impact did you see on the kids through through doing that? Yeah. Well. Um, we use chronological curriculum in Harmony Kids now anyway and have for some time. Um, we did on Wednesday nights and we do on Sunday mornings. And so um, really we were already doing it. Um, and that particular year we sort of aligned um, what we were teaching the kids with what what the Sunday sermons were for the adults so that it went together. But um, I'm so thankful for the curriculum nowadays um, that we have that that does teach the Bible as one big story. Um, I don't know if I was just asleep in class when when they taught that when I was a kid, or if, if I just missed probably it. that pastor uh, was distracting you. The the future pastor of <laughs> yeah. army probably distracting yeah, you. Yes, happened. probably. Yeah. I like how we're he's, not he's referring to <laughs> Matt Yaley well, and, his, um, and and his twin brother Mike. Right, we probably shouldn't mm -hmm. leave him out either. <laughs> Yeah, but um, I really do think that the curriculum nowadays is is so – or I shouldn't say as if it's all of it, but the particular curriculum that we use um, does a, a wonderful job of weaving um, Scripture together, Genesis to Revelation, um, God's redemptive plan throughout history. And, um, you know, growing up, like I said, I – didn't get this somehow. I knew a whole lot of Bible stories and a whole lot of Bible verses, um, but I was actually a young adult before things really started to click um, for me and before the big story of the Bible actually just came together and in a, in a way that made sense. And when it did, um, it had a really profound 
effect on me. For example, um, I suddenly realized that the story of King David and Mephibosheth wasn't just a lesson on kindness. Um, King David showed mercy to Mephibosheth, um, who was actually an enemy of the crown, and he was a helpless cripple who had nothing to offer. And King David invited him to dine at his table, uh, the king's table. And I realized that is a story about Jesus showing mercy to us. I had never seen it that way before. Mm. Um, another example, suddenly I understood that there was so much more to the story of Joseph. He was his father's beloved son. He was rejected, despised, betrayed, falsely condemned. Um, he wasn't put to death. He was sold into slavery. But then he was raised from a pit to sit on a throne. And he used um, his exalted position to forgive and save. That sounds a little familiar, right? Um, that isn't just a lesson on um, Joseph showing kindness to his brothers or being honest when it was hard or forgiving people who've hurt you. I realized that was a picture of Jesus. Mm. Um, something else that made a big impression on me um, when I suddenly realized that, you know, in the New Testament, there's all these stories of Jesus healing people, um, a, a helpless paralytic that can't make their way to Jesus, an unclean leper, um, a blind person, a dead person. Um, and I realized, you know, that's a picture of the spiritual healing that Jesus offers to us. Before Christ, I was helpless. I was unclean. I was blind. I was dead. Yeah. And so when I started to see those things in the Bible and see how stories fit into the big story um, and just recognize that it really is all about Jesus, um, the moral lessons kind of that I, that I kind of grew up learning, those kind of took a backseat because for the first time I could see, not that those are not important, not that there aren't things that we can learn um, from those um, from a moral perspective, but I could see for the first time um, God's plan unfolding. And in that, I could see his sovereignty and his faithfulness and his love. And, um, you know, somewhere along the way, all of these stories that um, had filled my head since childhood were now really making their way mm. into my heart. And um, as God kind of took what was so familiar to me and just flipped it upside down and and used used it to really reveal more about himself. So I think when we when we begin to understand the Bible that way, um, that's when it truly impacts our hearts. When we understand, as we say in our in our Harmony Kids mission statement, who God is and what he has done. Yeah. That's that's really, really good. There and I would just uh, add along with it. We're we're roughly the same age. I won't mention who's the older one, uh, <laughs> Leanne, but um, I, it was very similar uh, to me. You know, we 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 grew up pretty similarly, at least in regards to the church, and so knew all the stories. And it wasn't until I was a young adult that it uh, actually started to kind of come together uh, for me. And the passage that. Um, unlocked it is the the Luke twenty four passage where Jesus is um, on the road to to Emmaus. He he meets the the two disciples there, and um, they're you know he interrupts their conversation, and I, I won't go into all of it, but um, he he basically says you know. In uh, Luke twenty four twenty seven, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted uh, to them and all the scriptures the things concerning himself, mm -hmm. and so that the whole Bible is about Jesus, and it's all meant to, to point to Jesus, and specifically, it's meant to point to um, his incarnation, crucifixion, resurrection, and and um, ascension, and his his return. And when we have, you know, we look at it from that perspective, it just all the stories and all the parts of the Bible take on a whole new meaning and whole new depth. And that's where, like you said, the, the transformative uh, uh, effect of the, uh, the Bible uh, and the gospel can really take hold of our, our hearts. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we stop, we stop looking at those stories as um, kind of examples of, of behavior modification. I mean, that's, that's mm -hmm. how I grew up. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, those, those stories are, 
we need to do what David did in this situation. Or yeah. we, need to, the, and, we need to dare to be a Daniel. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And, and so you, yeah, you start seeing the the text in a very different way when when you see that it's all building up to the climax of the gospel. So mm-hmm. it's good. Um, I think maybe we'll end on this one. Um, Chris, you gave um, a really good list of practical spiritual habits on Sunday. Uh, you mentioned things like Bible study, prayer, fasting, and celebrating. And I think we all know that forming these habits can be really hard to do. Um, we may have some, some success for a while, but it's way too easy to stop, and then and then we get discouraged. Um, what would you suggest to someone that that's in that spot right now? Someone that's discouraged about not doing these things consistently. What would you, what would be your message to them? Well, the first thing I would say to them is that they've always got to remember that God is gracious and start from a place of there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus and be careful not to um, beat themselves up over their their failure to um, be disciplined. Um, and that doesn't mean that we don't need to be convicted about it, but there's a difference between condemnation and conviction. And um, again, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so um, God is pleased with me regardless of what I do or don't do. And what I mean by that doesn't mean that he's pleased with, with my behavior, but it means that I have the favor of God upon me. And regardless of whether I have a good day or I have a bad day, one book I would actually encourage really everybody to read. This is top three books that's, you know, for me is called The Disciplines of Grace by Jerry Bridges. It's just, it's fantastic and addresses this this very issue. Um, but um, so there is room for, for conviction, sure, that, you know, I, I need to um, uh, be more disciplined in Bible reading, prayer, all, all of these spiritual habits. But uh, I, I would begin then by reminding them of God's grace to them in, in, in Jesus, because uh, here I go again, Second Corinthians chapter five. Okay, uh, the love of Christ compels me, yeah. uh, and and the, the only thing that is ultimately going to compel us, and and the only place that we're going to actually find the motivation and the heart that we need to pursue the spiritual habits is in reminding ourselves of the love um, of Christ and the grace of God. So that's that really is the, the first thing that, that I would say. Uh, the second thing I would say is I, I really do think you have to, in many ways, start small and remember that um, habits um, are not formed in a day. And they're not reformed in a day either. If you if you get out of the habit, it takes time. And so, uh, some of that means you you need to to start small. And I mentioned on Sunday, if it's if it's about Bible study and prayer, take five start literally start with five minutes a day and just say I, this is I'm going to commit to doing this. And it it might be difficult, and you might miss a day, or you might miss two days or whatever. But you're going to commit to doing it, and and as that becomes a habit, it just will become in some ways something that you just naturally do. And uh, so I'll give an example here. When we leave the office today, all of us have a, you know, 15, 20 minute drive, maybe a little bit shorter than that. But I'm probably not going to think too much about the way home. And I, most of the time I end up at home and I'm like, okay, I'm not sure how I even got here. I don't even remember the turns because I'm, I'm kind of on autopilot because it's just, you know, that, that's the way we're kind of wired and, and, and made. It's like after we do something enough times, it just becomes second nature to us. That's what in some ways we're after with these spiritual habits. But you have to, you have to do it <laughs> um, consistently. And um, again, you, you got to start small and, and you got to build those things up. I think this is also, uh, um, it's also important to have people in your lives uh, who can encourage you in this and who can, you know, be asking how you're doing and who can, you know, spur you on to, to loving, loving good deeds and trying to go it alone when it comes to really any type of discipline is pretty hard. You know, um, I found like with, with exercise, um, it, it, it's much easier when I have 
somebody doing it with me. <laughs> and so that's in many ways a spiritual habit. So that people coming alongside you in regard to that. And then uh, maybe the last thing I would put here is I, th I think we've got to start by thinking about the kind of people that we want to become and then trying to reverse engineer um, our, our, our lives, so to speak, in this. So what I mean by this is that we, we have to decide if we want to truly be a godly person or not. And then if the answer to that is yes, I do, then we've got to put things into place that are going to um, enable us to, to, to be that, that, that kind of person. So, um, I use a running example. I could not just use it again because it's so easy for me. But if you want to be a runner, then you've got to say, okay, what are the kind of things that do people who are runners, what do they do? <laughs> and then you got to start doing those kind of things. And you can, you know, like here's another one. If, if I want to be a bow hunter, well, then I got to say, and I, People who are bow bow hunters, what what do, what do they do? Yeah. And then, you know, get the equipment and start practicing and and learn and, and all these kind of things. And and this, I mean, it's really the same thing. It's true. Is like I, I want to be um, a, a godly person. Well, these are the the characteristics or the things that a godly person does. And I'll finish with. Um, a quote by Tom Landry, who a uh, longtime coach of the Dallas Cowboys, um, and my oldest daughter is actually named after him, um, believe it or not. And uh, that's largely because my wife uh, is a huge Cowboys fan. And um, he, he once uh, stated this. He said, the job of a football coach is to make men do what they don't want to do in order to achieve what they always wanted to be. And so in the same way, uh, we Christians, uh, we're called to make ourselves do things that we don't naturally want to do, pursue uh, these spiritual habits in order to become what we've always wanted to be, and that is like Jesus Christ. And so to be a Christian is to desire to be like Jesus Christ. He is our hope. So that passage, First uh, Timothy, we've set our hope on the living God. <laughs> He is our hope. And so um, that means in order if we're going to be like him and, and we're going to have him and know him, um, that we have to at times give ourselves to things that we don't naturally want to do. And I guess my, to, to circle back again, I really want to just want to encourage people is it's not natural in the beginning, but you can get to the place where it becomes a natural part of your life. It becomes second nature too. Yeah. Yeah, I really like your point about kind of reverse engineering our lives and and you're using the example of running and bow hunting, but I mean that's that's one big reason why we um read biographies of people that we mm -hmm. are um that we admire or um that have lived godly lives. So uh, even looking backwards to some of those people is just really important. So yeah, let, let me speak to actually to you, or I even ask you a question. But this goes back to what Liam was talking about earlier. You know about a child learning to play the guitar. Mm -hmm. So maybe I'll put it this way: yeah. I, I won't use guitar. I'll use drums since, since you're a drummer. Who who's like the greatest drummer of all time? That's a good question. I don't know. I would have said for a long time Danny Carey, but okay. I don't think anyone's going to know who Danny Carey is. I, I do not. Do you, Leanne? <laughs> yeah. And so, um, but he, he, he got became a great drummer because I'm sure he sure. practiced uh, yeah, hours on, on on end. Yeah. And really, my, my my point there is, if you if you want to be a a, a great drummer, you or or even just a drummer mm -hmm. or a guitarist, you, you have to commit to the kind of things that will lead you to yeah. to be that. Yeah. Yeah, and you have to look for inspiration to to want to do that. Stuff and, too. and the passage on Sunday again is like it: um, the spiritual habits have value in this life and the life to come. So there's value in becoming a, a great drummer, great guitarist, um, mm -hmm. even runner. I'd say bow hunter. I mean, you can list off all of these different things. There's a there's immense value not only in heaven but even in 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 this life and. If I can just add something, one more thing. I, I know I said that already, so, but I, I will end on this thing. I really want to encourage everybody that um, being disciplined right now is hard. 
but it's actually harder not to be spiritually disciplined. And just to drive this point home, I'll just use uh, an example uh, of pornography. It's hard for um, us, maybe not everybody, but but it's hard and certainly in the world that we, we live today to pursue purity. That takes some discipline, not to look at things that are going to lead us to lust, to watch things, to, to look at things, whatever it may be. That's hard. Yeah. It requires discipline. Just maybe I'll speak for me personally, because um, it is hard for me too. But one of the things that I do is I remind myself it's harder not to be disciplined. And what I mean by that is that if I'm not disciplined in that and I do um, allow myself to consume something like that, it's going to impact my relationship with God. It's going to impact my relationship with my wife. It's going to impact my relationship with my kids. It's going to impact my relationship with my church body. Um, And it has the potential to literally blow up my life. And I could use this in so many, so many different ways, but we've got to remind ourselves that, yes, it's hard to get up 5, 10, 15 minutes early. It's, it's hard to um, commit to being at the church gathering every Sunday, to going to a community group, to serving, to being generous, all of those kind of things. I don't want to minimize any of this, that, it, that it's not hard because it is hard. But it's actually harder not to. And, of course, instant gratification world and the devil and our flesh are all screaming out, just do whatever, you know, feels good in the moment. (laughs) And we just got to preach to ourselves that that's, um, while it might be better, you know, sin, Hebrew says sin is pleasurable for for a moment uh, in the long run. And and a lot of times, not even in the long run, and and very quickly, it's going to be catastrophic for us yeah that's wise there's an extra message for you today there you go yeah there you go you get a free one (laughs) well i appreciate it uh leanne thanks for coming um thanks for the wisdom that you were able to give Um, thank you yeah thanks chris we'll talk to you next week